I'm Devin Thorpe. I'm the CEO of the Super Crowd Inc. And I call myself a champion of social good. What inspired you to become a champion of social good? Oh, golly, uh, Michael. Uh, it, it really goes back to an experience I had as a child. And uh, forgive me for sharing the story, but when I was 11 years old, I was living in in Salt Lake City and uh, about 300 miles from where we lived in southern Idaho, uh, a dam broke. Uh, it was called the Teton Dam, and it failed the first time it was built. And uh, as you can imagine, that left a huge flood, uh, and it, it washed through the relatively small town of Rexburg, Idaho. Uh, and in that town, uh, about a dozen people were killed, but about 80% of the structures were damaged or destroyed. And so really communities from all around the West that summer uh, volunteered in organized ways to come uh, that visit Rexburg that summer and help dig the muck and mud out of basements. And and my dad asked me if I wanted to go when he took a turn. And I said, well, sure. You know, I thought playing in the mud sounded like a good time. And uh, so I went and I remember I was just giddy with excitement. Uh, I remember every telephone pole we passed in the middle of the night, riding from 2 a.m. to dawn uh, to get to Rexburg to do the work. And uh, we worked all day. And, uh, you know, I remember nothing from going home. I passed out in the, in the bus going home. And uh, it was uh, really a remarkable experience. And I remember, well, recently I've been back to visit Rexburg. And the surprising thing is I couldn't find the statue that they had erected in my honor. I, I was a little bit disappointed. <laughs> and uh, I, I recognize now as an adult that you know, the truth is, even though that was a uh, an important event for me, I really didn't contribute anything. I probably ate more donuts than I was worth and uh, really couldn't do much. You know, I wasn't strong enough. I remember they gave me the worst shovel because no one else wanted it. <laughs> and so I was almost worthless. Uh, that said, the experience was so life-changing for me. I vowed that I would never miss an opportunity to serve other people. I confess that I have many times. I still have not perfected the art. It's hard, uh, but that desire to help other people does define now what I do. So that's the long answer to your question, why I do this work. Well, I see some of the books you wrote behind you, and then you do a podcast as well. How is it getting that message out using those mediums? Well, it it's... Um, it's interesting. Uh, you do a better job than I do. Uh, and I'm impressed. Uh, and I hope that you and I can talk over the, uh, the coming months, years as we, we learn to, uh, collaborate perhaps, but the, uh, I, I know I've got a lot to learn from you. It's, it's challenging. Um, you know, the, uh, I have one book that I know has been read over a million times. That's exciting to me, uh, but I generally give it away for free. Uh, and so I don't make a lot of money from that. Uh, I, I kind of wish I had, but, but I'm glad that it touches people. I'm glad that people love that book uh, and it helps people manage their money better. And I hope that they begin to think about how they can use their money for good as they read the book. And that's the point of that book. Um 
I've written others to help people with crowdfunding and and otherwise having social impact and and uh, doing good in the world. Um, but it's it's challenging uh, to get people to buy books. Uh, I, I will just admit that uh, the the show I just love doing it. Uh, I, I've got to tell you, and I'm excited now. We're we're also streaming on television on our our channel, and that's helping to grow our audience a little bit. But it's it's a um, it's a wonderful uh, wonderful thing to be able to do. I I think you can probably relate, Michael. The the people you get to meet, you and I have at least one guest in common. I suspect there are others, but I I noticed recently we've both had um, uh, the bipolar general on the yes. on the show, and uh, he's a remarkable guy and and. So I know that that you are experiencing a similar thing to me, and that is you get to talk to amazing people, yes. truly amazing people, people that are just deeply good. Uh, and uh, some are famous and, and extraordinary, and others are a little bit more ordinary, but all that, that, that deep goodness in people comes out and you get to see and interact with that and, and talk to people about those passions, the things that drive them to be good and do good. And, and that is just such an uplifting thing to be doing all the time. Uh, and building a network of people who are doing good and thinking about that as a, a practice, man, how could you not do that after you start? I, I can't quit. I'm like, I'm addicted. So, you know, again, I have a lot to learn about expanding the market and getting more eyeballs on this content. Cause I think we, we have important messages, but uh, and I hope I can learn from you, but it's, it's, it is a lot of fun to do that work. I agree with you talking to people. It's like, it helps my own mental health and I'm just, you know, talking about them. Yeah. Yeah. It It, it is. It is so good to be able to talk to people. You know, one of the things that I think you and I recognize is that doing good in the world, helping other people, even the simplest, smallest acts of kindness yeah. make us feel better. There, there's a corollary I experience. I think many of us do. I, I, when I am mean to people and I wish that never happened. Right. But that's not the, the reality. The right. reality is sometimes I'm not kind to people and I feel terrible, I feel terrible when I do that. And uh, so I work really hard to avoid that. I haven't cured myself of that that pattern. And um, so as I think about, you know, those two things, right? Doing something genuinely kind, even small, makes me feel good, makes me feel better. Doing something even small, but that is unkind, uh, makes me feel bad. Boy, I mean, which do I want to do more of, right? It's not even a contest. Uh, in terms of conscious choosing. And so trying to build those patterns, uh, like you say, it's a, a good sort of mental health practice to focus on doing the good, to feel the good. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the super crowd? Yeah. So uh, we're we're just having so much fun with, with this. Uh, you know, we're hosting events around the country and we're uh, you know, we do virtual events as well. And, uh, so, uh, we're bringing people together, uh, to talk about how to support, uh, community builders, social entrepreneurs, uh, and, uh, diverse founders. 
you know, what we recognize is that uh, in every, every one of us lives in a community. We live somewhere is local for all of us, right? And, and all of us, I think, would like to see something about our community improve. I think even in the most affluent, nice communities, like I think my son lives in Palo Alto. So I get over to Palo Alto, probably the richest city in the country, if not the richest, one of the very richest. And there are a lot of things you could improve in Palo Alto, right? It's not that it's all broken. I don't mean to suggest that, but, but, you know, affordable housing is a big challenge in Palo Alto, for instance. And so there are opportunities in every single community to make things a little bit better. And so one of the ways that we can do that and and allow everyone in the community to participate in an organic way in the prosperity that we create in the community is through shared ownership or shared investments via crowdfunding. So that's that's a thing an aspect of that that excites me in the work that we're doing at the Super Crowd. And we're, you know, we're not working as intermediaries. We're not a portal. We're educating people. We're training people. We're we're guiding people through this process, both as entrepreneurs and investors, and trying to help more people see themselves as investors. And of course, the same kinds of principles apply to social entrepreneurs. And I get so excited. I see some of the coolest things that are being funded on crowdfunding sites uh, like WeFunder and Raise Green and many others. And, and they, they just do really cool stuff. There's some really cool technologies that clearly have the potential to make the world a better place, uh, addressing uh, especially climate change. There's so many opportunities to create, you know, zero emission vehicles that do cool things, right? Like, like there's one company that's, building little retro cars uh that really are old uh, they're, they're uh, electric motorcycles oh. three-wheeled now enclosed in these really cool uh shells they're not super high tech but how fun how fun you could drive you know have your little daily commuter be just the coolest looking vehicle in the parking lot uh and you know it's like a twenty five thousand dollar electric car that doesn't you know, go very far, but it's a great commuter vehicle and a fun one to have. And it gets, you know, you know, it's way better for the planet than driving the, your, your right. uh, Hummer, to, Hummer to the office. Anyway, you know, you just see cool things all the time. And some of them are really, really genuinely fun and exciting and they have some social benefit. And, and then the, the third group we focus on is diverse founders and, and there's great data, right? If you look at the venture capital markets, you don't need to go any farther than thinking about women. To recognize that women are getting like, you know, it depends on the survey you read, one to three percent of venture capital, one to three percent, and fifty percent of the humans in the on the planet are women. And let's be clear, they, they are a really high proportion too of entrepreneurs, and that proportion is growing rapidly. But the proportion of venture capital going to women isn't changing. It hasn't changed since I started looking at this question a decade ago. And so uh, what tells me what's exciting is in the crowdfunding space, we do see women getting a much larger share. And so now we've found a way to support women and other diverse founders. And, and this is exciting to me. So again, I've gone on a long time, but the, the super crowd is all about helping the entrepreneurs, educating, training, coaching them, and also on educating, training, and coaching investors, ordinary people, right? All of us now can invest under 
the crowdfunding rules, but it's a scary thing. I, I confess, I wrote about crowdfund investing for seven years before I did the first one, right? So I get, I get really well that it's kind of a scary thing, even to plunk down a hundred dollars as an investment. And so, you know, that empathy, I'm hoping, I'm trying to channel that empathy and help people get over that hump to make that first hundred dollar investment. Because after, after you do it a few times, you realize it doesn't break the budget. The world doesn't end. You can keep going. And it's really kind of a fun thing that it can be. Anyway, sorry, that's the world that the super crowd. Well, I know a lot of nonprofits I talk to, they, they're mission first. So they focus on the mission, but maybe the business side, they're new to it. How important is it to have a support system on the business side? Yeah, you know, that is a great, great question because all, let's be really clear, all nonprofits are businesses and all nonprofits have to be profitable. Accountants in the nonprofit space, of course, use a variety of other terms to describe the profits. But if you don't raise more money in donations and other revenues than you spend, you're out of business just like any other business. So business principles are vitally important. And oftentimes, a, a nonprofit is built by people who have a passion for doing good in the world, and they build the momentum around volunteers. And so there's a, 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 a little bit of a distance between that business mindset and the reality of what they're building. But as they scale, eventually you've got to start hiring people, raising more money. And, it, and those business principles become vitally important really quickly. And so, yeah, it's great to build a board that includes some people who have good business experience, it's great to uh, recruit people who have uh, business experience, not just nonprofit experience. Those those things can really come together. Uh, I I am so grateful though. I I see in, in the nonprofit space over and over again. I see brilliant people uh, doing incredible work, uh, and uh, occasionally I hear people suggesting that because the compensation rates may be lower in the nonprofit space, that the people aren't as bright or talented, that, the, that great people pursue the money. Balderdash, balderdash. What I see is that mission-driven people go where they can have the most impact, and oftentimes that's in a nonprofit, and they are brilliant, hardworking, passionate people, really making a tremendous difference in the world. Well, you do a lot to help others, but what do you do to help your own uh, mental health? You know, that's a that's a fun question because I um, finally had to come to terms with the, the, the challenges I have faced uh, with mental illness myself. And a little over a year ago, finally got a diagnosis that helps me understand a little bit about my challenges and really took some time, uh, took some time off work, took about three weeks off to really clear my head. I went on a one week vacation, but then I devoted two full weeks, splitting the time between home improvement time where I could just, I could be working with my hands instead of my brains a little bit. And then 
really devoted time to reading and meditating and learning how to take care of myself so that I could return to work in a better headspace. And so for me, I found that the primary tools I use are not drugs. I, I, I was prescribed a drug to take when I'm in a, a, a bit of a crisis, right? And that does help. But what I find is more helpful are the cognitive behavioral therapies that help me avoid getting in the crisis in the first place so that I'm not winding down. And there are a variety of things I use. I, you know, I've got a silly app on my phone and I just giggle sometimes, but it's it's a... Uh, an app that gives me positive feedback all the time. And, and because I have a tendency, that's I get too down on myself. I get really hard. I get critical, self-critical, especially if I do anything mean to people, um, no matter how justified I may reasonably have been, if I do anything mean, I always feel bad. And, and there's a tendency then in the past, right, just to spiral down and start thinking really horrible thoughts. And I and it was as I was, you know, uh, trying to figure out how to cope with that that I've come onto some of these things. So um, I, I think it's, you know, everybody has a different need. But for me, what I really felt like um, the challenge was my self esteem that I just really did not feel like I had a, a high enough self image. I still struggle with that. I think, and it's weird uh it, it sounds so you know self-aggrandizing in some way i don't know how to say that it just seems weird but but um so i do i i consciously have chosen a variety of ways to consciously try to remind myself that i am okay yeah i'm okay and um i found that that consistently doing that really helps because i you know, the voice that's that we hear the most is the voice in our heads. And if that voice is constantly talking about how dumb you are and how fat you are and how ugly you are and how lazy you are and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, how mean you are, that can get really weighty. And so a, a variety of tools. And there's a a, a great book uh, I, I read. I think it's just called Self-Esteem or something like that. But Self-Esteem is the key to the, the title. And uh, it was written... Uh, over a decade ago, but it's really proven, I think, for a lot of people to be helpful. In fact, I, it was such a, I love the book so much. I gave it to a lot of friends and family members that I think struggle with some of the same issues that I do. And I've encouraged them to read it. I mean, it's a long, thoughtful book and it's a lot of homework. And so I, I made time, you know, during that time off to do the homework and really start to develop some patterns and practices. So I apologize. I've kind of given you a very full answer, but uh, I, I didn't want to treat that lightly because I think it's an important question, and every one of us needs to come to terms with it on our own on our own terms. No, it's good. I have no time limit, so please talk. <laughs> what you. are some of the things that motivate you? Um, you know, I really am uh, passionate, really, about three fundamental causes. Um, Climate change is one. Um, and I realize that one is kind of feels so political these days. But but even if, you know, some folks are skeptical about climate change per se, some of the politics around that, let's be clear, we all want clean air. We all want clean water. Those are 
things we can aspire to and and we can agree that there've got to be we've got to find some common ground for finding those things and most things that preserve and protect clean air and clean water help on climate change that's just a coincidence uh maybe we can focus on clean air and clean water if that's a, a hang up to people the second thing um is is poverty uh and a lot of my friends like to call it social justice and those two things are a little bit different but they're closely related and and uh, you know there are people in almost every community in the united states affluent country right uh that are living on the streets right so there's poverty right here among us and then and in every city in america right you know something like 10 to 20 percent of the population it varies is living below the poverty line uh and many of them have housing and other things but they're they're uh food insecure and have other challenges this is a problem it's a real problem close to home but of course um around the world somewhere in the range of 700 million to a billion people are living in really genuinely abject poverty right they're living on less than two dollars a day um, and don't have adequate food, don't have access to clean water, don't have a place to use the toilet. Uh, there, there are a lot of people in this community. And so there are tremendous opportunities for us to address that. Third for me is global health. And this has been a long-term passion. Uh, and I, I've I've been more optimistic about this in the past, but you know, obviously the pandemic started nearly four years ago. Um is now a reminder that global health is really fragile and we need to be using best practices uh, and the science. And, and of course, one of the things I would point out that, that's encouraging in this terrible experience of the pandemic is that when we had the 1918 pandemic, right, it was clear uh, early on that what we needed was a vaccine for the flu. You know what? They didn't come up with a working vaccine for the flu for almost 20 years, right? So the the 1918 pandemic lasted about three years, kind of flamed out after that. But, you know, the flu is still around to this day. It's the same flu uh, and it varies a little bit every year. The, the, The variations that were circulating in 20 or in 1918 were just deadly just a deadly variation. Uh, and so everybody got the flu and many, many people died. In fact, you know, it was the same time as World War I and more soldiers died from the flu than from conflict. Uh, it's It was just tragic. Anyway, um, of course, in we had a vaccine ready to go in the United States, a year after the first documented case of, within a year of the first documented case of of COVID-19. That is a remarkable, remarkable difference. Uh, And so there is hope that with technology and our best practices, we can get on top of things. So uh, it's conceivable to envision a day when uh, a vaccine could be prepared in weeks and and be used to treat people in a local community before, uh, you know, like if they'd had a, a vaccine working in weeks in Wuhan, we might not have experienced the global pandemic. Uh, and you could get that vaccine to places around the world where it started to pop up. Uh, anyway, it's 
those are the kinds of things that I, I like to think about. And, and one of the things that I've been close to over the years is uh, is polio fighting um, through uh, Rotary International. Rotary has been supporting the effort to eradicate polio. And a lot of us think of polio as eradicated. But in fact, uh, last year, there were dozens of cases. This year, I think we've had about a dozen in the world. And so, again, we're, we're right on the cusp yeah. uh, of eliminating polio from the planet but we got down into single digits a few years ago and then it popped back up it's really 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 hard uh, and 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 polio is one of those that we can't eradicate because nobody else gets it you know the, the other critters don't get the same virus and there are other things other diseases that other critters get and so we can get them from and other critters can spread them, but but some diseases are only human, and polio is one of those. So we can eliminate it. So anyway, fingers crossed. I talk too much. That's why I'm a better host than a guest. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a good guest. So where do you want to see your own mission in the next like three to five years? Um, you know the the. Where I am focusing a lot of my energy, I, I love the show and I, I can't imagine quitting it because I love it so much. And uh, we're putting a little more energy on the show into supporting social entrepreneurs who are raising on crowdfunding, trying to bring a little of that energy uh, from our super crowd events into the show. But, but um, where I really want to see progress is in growing the number of people who are investing in these kinds of projects via crowdfunding. And over, over a span of five years, I'm hopeful that we can increase that number five to tenfold. And within 10 years, I'm hoping that we can increase it a hundredfold. Uh, and in 20, I'm hoping we can increase it a thousandfold. Um, you know, the, the the reality that everyone can do this um, means that it has the potential over 20 years to become the way we invest for our retirement. Rather than investing in Wall Street, we're investing directly in companies, having more social impact and building portfolios the way very thoughtful professionals already do it in both the venture capital community and at banks, Right building carefully crafted portfolios that have good financial returns, but that are also driving social impacts that are important to us. And that might be, you know, supporting uh, veterans. That might be an important thing. Well, golly, if you wanted to build a portfolio that only included veteran leaders, you could do that. You could do that. For others, it's it's supporting women. For others, it's supporting African-Americans. For others, it's building a diverse portfolio, including all those kinds of folks. And whatever it is, right? There are ways to do that in way that will be high impact and profitable. And that's where I, I really am putting a lot of my energy and my vision, right, is on, on trying to bring that about so that people say, oh, holy cow, I could take some of the money that I have invested in, you know, ETFs and mutual funds, and I could move them into things that would have a more direct impact and have comparable maybe better returns. Wow. That's a great, that's a great thing to be thinking about. So that's, that's where I'm hoping to go. How can people reach out and learn more? I've got two main websites. Let's start with superpowers, number four, good.com. 
superpowersforgood.com. That's the name of my show. I use the, the word for in the show. I use the number four in the URL. And um, that's where you can subscribe. You can see past uh, episodes. You can also uh, get the newsletter there. And so you see my write-ups of the show and other things, You know, kind of the show notes and all of that there at Superpowers for Good. And then there are links to my, all of my other sites and my social media and stuff there. But uh, that's a great place to start uh, to sort of join the super crowd. <laughs>